1: Well, hey, everybody. This is your, I guess, host, your, hell, I am your podcast overlord, Russ Fisher at Dynasty Outhouse on the Twitters. And this is the first of what I hope to be many family gatherings of the members of the DLF family of podcasts. Because we are a family. That's what we're here. We're here for each other. That's what we're here for. And we're here for you because, I mean, you listen to us and we like talking and we like to know that people actually listen. So That's what we're here for. We are here to, as a group, have our egos fed. And I think we all feel good about that. So the first thing I think we should do is go around the room, say hi, introduce yourself, let them know what you do on this wonderful, beautiful uh, family of podcasts. Uh, I I guess I'll go first since I'm the one talking and everyone's just kind of staring at me. Uh, I am, like I said, Russ Fisher at Dynasty Address on Twitter. I am co-host of the trade addicts podcast and my other co-host is rocky petrella at dynasty ff addict we have a podcast that talks about trading because that's i like to do that a lot um so next on my screen to that way is john hoag so john hoag say hi to everybody
2: hi everybody uh, i russ you called uh, yourself the overlord and I was totally expecting that you would just say that you're the dad in this family. So, I'll take over, Lord. I'm good with that.
1: Oh, uh, no, no, no. Uh that's like how how are you on a how could you be on a podcast family with someone like Ryan McDowell and then call yourself <laughs> the dad? It's just that's not really how it works.
2: He's also never referred to himself as our dad. Um and I I just wonder how often it, it it tempts him to do that? To just well, it's canon now. Me. Yeah, it's
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> it's it's out in the open. It's, so it is what it is. Yeah, that's
1: uh, right. So, all right. So, yeah, so forget about talking about these other people. Talk about yourself a little bit.
2: As Superflex dude on Twitter, host of the Superflex Super Show. Uh, there's other stuff too, but uh, as far as the DLF family of podcast goes, that's uh, that's that's all we really care about, right at the moment. Alright. Well,
1: what do you talk about on the Superflex Super Show?
2: We talk about the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex. And the oh, that quarterback is kind of of familiar. I, I talk almost exclusively about the quarterback extreme strategy at this point.
1: <laughs> That's who you are. Okay. Uh, next to John Hogue, we have I almost called you Matthew. How weird. That that feels weird. Uh, but we have <laughs> we have Matt Price. So Matt, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do on this wonderful family of podcasts?
0: You can you can call me Matthew if you want to, Russ. That's what my mom called me when I was in trouble. So you're you're the boss, so I assume I'm in some sort of trouble at all times with you. <laughs> um I, I uh I I co-host the DLF dynasty podcast, whatever you want to call it. Some people call it the flagship pod. Luckily I get to do it with Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler every single week. Um, and uh, I write uh, currently a weekly column called the Dynasty Trading Post, where we look at trades running through the DLF family of uh, tools, <laughs> I guess, trade analyzer tools, trade finder tools, all that kind of stuff. Um, I also do the Dynasty Game Night podcast with you, you yourself, Russ, and our buddy John Bosch. We play, we play games. That's pretty much the only thing we do on that show. Uh, sometimes there's some kind of advice trickles through sometimes, kind of, but usually it's just we're just playing games and having a good time. So if you like games, if you like fantasy football, that, that show might be for you as well.
1: Yeah, and long-term goal is to make your trading post article a podcast just because I like talking about trade. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. hey, that's a great – I can't write, so I'm not going to do that. But (laughs) if whoever does write that wants to talk about it for a little bit on a podcast, yes. And Matt kind of said yes once, so that might be happening. All right, and we actually have a podcast on this stream right now. So Jordan and Derek, why don't you introduce yourselves and then introduce your show
4: a little bit what's so up guys um yeah we are the the dynasty builders um just got done recording our show for the week actually it's a double dipping tonight um uh, but yeah we we're co-hosts of that show um I, I can tee it up a little bit derek and then you can fi- say anything i don't basically i mean we we do a weekly show um in season we kind of break down just biggest movers and shakers from each week uh, value wise and then um kind of right now we're doing kind of what did we, what did we learn from the season? We just did a dynasty startup mock tonight. Um, then we obviously hammered rookies kind of through the spring and summer.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty much what he said. It, it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and we started, we started like a year ago. So we're, we're still fairly new to it, but uh yeah, we just been, been good friends since high school, love dynasty and and had mold over podcasts for years. And then like, well, is anybody going to listen to it or not? And, uh, do we even know what the heck we're doing and so decided yeah at the beginning of 2020 to give it a go and um yeah it, it was cool getting a part of this family and, and getting a lot of, of listeners from that so um yeah it, it's a it's a blast i love the off season part of it that's a lot more fun than the end season as far as prep oh, goes yeah. and, and that kind of content so uh yeah that's it's been a blast
1: yeah don't you love it like at first you're like oh man i'm so nervous like do I you know what i'm talking about do it is anyone gonna listen and then you're just like I don't really care. I'm just going to start talking (laughs) people. Listen, that's awesome. Like that's, that's that's, such a freeing feeling. It's like, no, just going to do it.
3: Yeah. When when it hit us that like, it wasn't just our good friends that we we, like really wanted to support us and ask, you know, questions on Twitter and stuff, just random people started doing that. That's when I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of cool. And and people actually care about what we think, but you know, even if they don't, I guess we're going to talk anyways. So uh, yeah, Yeah. that's been a cool thing about it.
1: Yeah. And my somewhat, I'll call it my favorite and least favorite part of your show is like right as I became the overlord, I messaged you guys. I'm like, Hey, your show is awesome, but you're funny. And I don't appreciate it. That's my shtick.
3: <laughs> you know,
1: that, that's what I, that's what I bring to this family of podcasts and you're stealing that from me and I don't appreciate it. So hey, we're,
4: we're, yeah, good hey, baby the family, we got to get attention somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's more
3: just Jordan making fun of me and catching me off guard. And it works out in our favor though.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, so we have one man left, at least for now. And Matt, his little label at the bottom is Sticky Z, and that's just like a very cool name. So that's what I'm going to call you. Um, But why don't you unmute yourself so you can introduce yourself?
5: Yeah, um, Sticky Z or Adam. Um, But (laughs) usually I go by Sticky Z in in these parts. It's at AdamTZ, which doesn't match up. Um, But I I hate when stuff changes on Twitter. I hate when people change their (laughs) avatars. I hate when people change their usernames. I'm always like, who is that? I have no idea who that is, Um, especially when um, Scott Fishbowl comes around. I'm always super lost because everyone's changing their their avatars. But, uh, no, I host an IDP-only, the only IDP-only show on the DLF network for now. I don't know. But uh, with uh, a good old chap from the U.K. who uh, is, you know, it's almost 2 a.m. there. So he's sleeping. I got tea. Um, Me and Tom Kissingberry, we talk about the uh, other side of fantasy football, the IDP side of fantasy football, um, and we just have a good time and get to talk about stuff that uh, most, most Dynasty people don't talk
1: about. I'm just yeah. And come on, man. Like, how lazy. It's 2 o'clock. and I know. I it's always like- say that to him. Seriously. Just for the family. <laughs> Take one for the team. Come on. <laughs> for the family. Take one <laughs> yeah, for the family. Come on, yeah, man. Where are
5: you at, dude? Like, come on. It's, we're the family
1: here. <laughs> All right. I was about to say, like – I it's snowing. What's the big deal? But I'm like, yeah, no, never mind. It's not that he's on the East Coast. He's even easter than <laughs> the East Coast. Yeah, so, that's okay. Yeah.
5: I have tea in his honor.
1: There you go. So, so it's like he's with us. <laughs> exactly. he's in the
5: spirit. I'll bring them some, some uh, British snark as well, and then we'll be all set.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I figured that since this is our first get-together, and all family get-togethers in general are pretty informal, so that's the way we're going to keep it. If you like saying something, say it. If I'm talking, you don't interrupt, but I'm going to interrupt anyone as much as I feel like it because, you know, I'm the boss and I'm going to keep writing that as much as I humanly can until someone more important than me does show up. Uh, so take that take that for what it's worth, a few people in this room right now. Uh, but the 2020 season sort of just ended. We're a few weeks later just because I got busy and I wanted to do something right after the Super Bowl, but we're only a week off, right? Uh, so I figured we would start with What have you learned from the 2020 season for fantasy football? And how do you think you're going to apply that, as I call it, through the non-point scoring season? Um, And I'm going to start with, I'll start it off just, you know, in case you didn't read the Slack, which, come on, Slackers, uh, that when I said this was the idea. And this one hurts. This one, like, it really makes me sad to, actually, you know what even makes me sadder? than what I learned in 2020, that Peter Howard's here. So, before we do a- actually get started, Bob, uh, why don't you say hi to everybody? And we all introduced ourselves in our show, so why don't you jump on that train, say hello, and uh, talk about your show a little bit.
6: Cool. I'm here leading into the reaction against my boss. He sucks, and he keeps making me do things, and I don't think he's very good. His name's <laughs> Dynasty Outhouse, and we have to overthrow him. He's some kind of overlord. He's way too, like, do you want to get together and, like, organize on a different stream yacht? Like, I, I think we should yeah. uh, talk about this. Because he was implanted Look. above us without without any consent of the governed here. This was just something forced on us. And uh, I, I, I think no maniacal control without representation. That's what I think.
1: Look, you come for the king. You better not miss. That's all I'm saying.
6: <laughs> I don't miss, motherfucker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay. Beep. So look at me, man. Do I look like a man who misses?
1: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm penny. not sure what you look like. Penny. You look more like a werewolf
6: <laughs> right now, so I'm not really sure. Do I look like a werewolf that doesn't miss? Really? There you go. <laughs> there we go. Um uh yeah, uh uh since I've been offensive and aggressive, I'll say that my name's uh Russ Fisher. I'm from the Trade Addicts podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Russ, your voice has changed. Hasn't it, though? I grew up a little bit.
1: Got some safe finally. Are, are, are you saying I don't have a deep voice?
6: <laughs> Did you intentionally lower you the, give your voice there? No, this, this <laughs> is what <laughs> I always felt. No. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no. no, yeah. Uh, hey, what, what are we doing here? I actually don't know why
1: we're here. Well, for right now, all you have to worry about is saying who you actually are, what your mother named you and talk about the show that you have created.
6: My mother actually named me Rush Fisher from the Trade Addicts podcast. It was awkward, so I changed it. So this is now, like, really awkward. Uh, Because I never meant to bring that up, but you stole my name. And I had to change it. It was upsetting. And we had a family meeting about it wait for it to catch up. No, okay, my name's Peter Howard. It literally <laughs> says my name right here, Russ. Like, I don't think anyone's confused. But anyway, says- yeah, my name's Peter Howard, at P.A. Howdy on Twitter. I and mean, I'm from the Dynasty Crossroads podcast. I have a problem, and I'm here to share, apparently.
1: Okay, well, all right. So, if you have never listened to Peter guests on a show, uh, it is safe basically- to say that he... He derails everything. So as you can see, (laughs) he's been on this stream for about 45 seconds and we're already off there. But we're going to reel it back in for as long as we can. And before you popped in, I was saying we were going to talk about what we learned from this 2020 season and how we're going to apply it going into next season and through draft season and all of that stuff. And I was going to start. And I learned something that made me sad. And it might make John Pogue a little sad as well. It's that running backs kind of matter and that hurts my soul because I am absolutely a wide receiver guy and zero RB was my deal. I loved it. It was so much fun and not to say that doesn't work. It absolutely does, but it makes your life so much easier just to have at least one running back that you know should finish top 12 every single week. And if, when I look back at my, my few, few teams that did win, I always had Aaron Jones or Alvin Kamara or Derek Henry, even though he didn't really help you that last week and there was I had no teams that didn't have at least one strong running back, which is how I've done it in the past, but we call this a a passing league, a passing league. everything's about passing but and that's true, but I think that makes good running backs or at least running backs that score more points all that more valuable
6: can i ask who taught you that this this in 2020 because it's just a weird thing that 2020 for me it seems like a weird year to learn that having like um saquon barkley and cmc weren't there so who are the running backs we drafted highly that did this for us david montgomery oh yeah he, he was high Miles well, Gaston least- was great till he got injured, and that that was a high draft. Like, I, I completely agree, but why 2020? Honest question. Like, who, who was giving you these feels? Uh, well, like if you were Alan listening, Kamara's to that's a good I, example.
1: Yeah, Kamara, Derrick Henry, and Aaron Jones isn't up to the level of those guys. But to me, I've always been a fan, so he kind of is. Like, those are the three running backs that I, yeah. I had on a lot of my teams, and those are the guys that took me far into the playoffs again, Derrick Henry chose a crappy week to put up nine points in week 16. But before that he was killing it. And all of my teams that did well had at least one of those running backs on it. Yeah. So but like,
6: again, Derrick Henry wasn't like a top five, five pick, right? If we were drafting this year, no one was taking them top five. Top, I mean, they definitely matter. Pack. I completely agree. But 2020 seemed to play out in a way that, you know, reinforced the fact that getting the right running back is more important than drafting them as high as you can. Which is, oh no, see, I never said as like, high as you can. No, no, I could not draft a running back in the first. I'm trying to tack on like over the last few years, we've increasingly valued running back. Like, we're drafting the top 24 running backs increasingly highly to less effect in that we're not getting the right running backs. That's that's what I, I guess, that's what I learned about the 20 through the 2020 season. You're absolutely right. Like, I'm uh, you look sad. I don't mean to make you, I'm sorry, I mean, make you look <laughs> this sad. This is just feel, my face, and that I hurts feel my bad. Feelings. I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's absolutely yeah, you And talking. I think we've if, already... if you felt bad, you'd probably start talking. Yeah, I was lying. Um, yeah, I think I'm... we've all kind of known that, but <laughs> our reaction to it has been increasingly to draft running backs higher. But again, we haven't largely affected our ability to, to co-opt those running backs because it is Derek Henry. It is Aaron Jones. It is, it is not the running backs we draft top five
0: because
6: we can't, pro- well, I don't know. I wouldn't even say that. I don't know what's going wrong, but we don't get the right running backs earlier. We just draft more of them earlier, and that pushes the wide receiver value down, which is why 0RB, like you said, still works. So I, that's what I learned. We need to get better at targeting running backs. Not CMC is the best, because he I, is, I don't... or Saquon Barkley is best, because he is, but because there's an injury potential, we need to get better at seeing that David Montgomery could have a year here. Or Derek Henry, despite having load dynasty value or lower dynasty value because he's a rushing running back or whatever like we need like i don't know how i'm not even offering a solution just throwing up a problem someone else go get the cat and put the bell on his neck i don't know but like that's <laughs> what i learned like zero b works and running backs definitely available. valuable like russ is saying but we have no idea how to we have no idea how to target those running backs like not all the geniuses like you guys that are listening to us like they have the answer it's like but it's not it's Derek Henry who none of us wanted to draft early because value and it's like we need to get better at that that's what i learned just to jump all over rush and and make his face look sad because he's absolutely right that's what it looks like i i'm sorry well no see
1: the thing is the the difference between what i'm saying and what you're saying is drafting a a running back earlier for me is taking one in the second round which is where you got derrick henry never in my life I can't picture myself drafting or running back in the first round of anything of redraft of dynasty. Okay. Rookie drafts that that's the only place. So taking Derrick Henry in the second taking man, I was about to say Joe Mixon, maybe this coming year, if he doesn't get hurt, that old line doesn't stop. You see like, what I mean? You know, like
6: targeting Derrick Henry was good. Every other running back you targeted the, well, not I have to go look, but I doubt very few paid off. I, th- I mean, it
0: absolutely <laughs> makes sense. I, th- I think ne-
6: we never get it right. <laughs> That's
0: how I, uh, I think Mike that's Jesus. a little bit of a misnomer i think we i think the top of, like we did get right like we just got unlucky like you have to be an, an injury agnostic in this space right if you really want to have those super elite running backs and if you're not willing to pay that draft capital for christian McCaffrey or Saquon on barkley or alvin kamara i mean those were the three top backs that were drafted in august of adp last year uh right before the season right so Z, that worked exactly... Dab, Dab was gone number five clyde edwards salair he didn't really work out right so but isn't that exactly the reasoning by
6: zero RB? You need those guys. We don't know who they are, so just fade the option.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, isn't that that's really. Fair, zero like, it, I think that, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like I think the numbers reflect that the most the running backs that make the most difference in fantasy leagues are taken early. Um, I mean, if you yes, look at, I I mean, who knows, somewhere. right? Right now, if you look at the landscape, right now, if you look at the landscape, like it gets really ugly after running back eighteen, and if those guys are all going. Uh, or maybe 19 if you want to include Mixon, 20 if you want to include Montgomery, 21 if you want to include Hunt. But after that, you have Ronald Jones, Chris Karskin, Miles Gaskin, Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon. You don't want any of these guys, right? So if you want to have a, a better probability of drafting a running back that's going to make a difference, you know, if you get injuries, oh, well, you know. Had a team that lost Christian McCaffrey in week two and Saquon Barkley in week, week two. And that season was pretty much over, right? Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's the rub. But if you get down, like, you're, are you, are you, do you think you're going to win with, with guys like Kenya Drake and Melvin Gordon? Maybe you are, but I, I think the probability is a lot less. Uh, So the wide receiver position presents an opportunity to get two to three of those top 20 running backs and then still have a really good receiving core. But, you know, you're the big numbers guy, Peter. So I might be completely wrong here. This is just how I'm reading the board right now, that after that running back 18 range right now, which is going off the board at pick 30 uh, overall, uh, like it gets real ugly after that.
1: I don't care if you're wrong. I don't care if you're making it up. You're sticking up for me,
6: who was just (laughs) against Peter, who made me feel bad. So (laughs) I'm all for it. Being with right. you, Peter's picking on me. I'm like, you're absolutely right, Russ. Let me tack on. You're like, Peter's attacking me. So, I'm just <laughs> It's easier. At least it's cool. All right,
1: so we have a lot of people here. So let's try and not dwell on one thing for too much. Let's move over, John Hogue. What have you learned in the 2020 season?
2: Uh, I might need to pass because I'm going. I'm a I'm a Peter Howard patron, and I'm going through all his charts, trying to find what he's going to shoot a hole in if I say it. So um it doesn't matter what you said Peter's <laughs> going
1: to poke a hole in it in some way shape or form that's Probably, what that, that know, is just pro
6: tip it's a lot easier to poke <laughs> holes in what other people say than say anything yourself
1: just <laughs> throwing like that. it
6: out there you should, try
1: yeah. it. you
2: should
6: try it
1: we're just gonna call arguing for the sake of arguing pulling a Peter Howard
2: <laughs> all right so here's something I learned and uh, you know I I kind of went into the season promoting like uh, at the top I you know I mentioned the QBX strategy quarterbacks early and often in super flex leagues and you know the big selling point for a lot of people was the trade value and the fact that if you've got five quarterbacks you're the only one in the league who can afford to trade one away without getting one in return and you know in doing so you're going to get this huge haul because you know the value of quarterbacks once scarcity sets in is just off the charts but what i learned in 2020 is i don't know that i want to trade those quarterbacks away even if i've got 5 or 6 of them the the ability to stream quarterbacks within my roster is a far greater advantage than taking advantage of that trade value uh that's that's kind of what i've learned i i you know on a weekly basis we're seeing quarterbacks averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of you know 17 19 points a week which is substantial but then if you find the quarterback in you know the plus matchup and sub him out instead of, you know, taking, you know, the potential of a single digit week from, from a quarterback in a bad matchup, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you get 27 points from that quarterback and then you get to do that twice. I mean, that's a, that's like a 50 point swing within your lineup. So you're basically giving yourself extra starters just by being able to play matchups with the quarterback position within your roster.
1: All right, but I got to ask you one question about this and we've talked about this before. Like I hear the, yeah, you're the- <laughs> <laughs> here, here it comes. <laughs> okay, no no, he muted himself and if he's not I'm going to mute him. Uh, <laughs> I would never. Yes I would. Uh we oh, we've I'll talked about me. it before and it's not on a show on the DLF family podcast so we're just not really going to mention it. Uh okay. but I don't like making decisions. Like, I'm terrible at it. If I have three players to choose from and I can only start two, I will choose the wrong ones. It's Mm -hmm. just my life. That's the way. Could you – how would you feel you would live with yourself if you have these five reasonably startable quarterbacks and, like, three weeks goes by and you choose the wrong ones every single week? Like, would you still feel fine holding on to those guys?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think that it's still – the the nice thing is quarterbacks just have a a nice high floor just kind of generally so you know it's it's not like you're necessarily costing yourself points it's just you you know you kind of missed out on on an opportunity to uh you know to make up some points for the rest of your lineup if you know if you happen to get it wrong quarterback will n- almost never be uh, you know unless we've got Scott Fishbowl scoring. Quarterback's almost never going to be the reason that you lose a week. But it can be the reason that you win a week, even when the rest of your roster underproduces.
1: Okay, so... Would you... Okay, so... Are, would you avoid... Like, okay, I'm no, trying to it kind feels to like this.
6: you're regretting shutting the guy up who always has something to say right now. While you no, I'm trying to find word. the right way to work this. Would you like this, me I, to step in? Or, no, you know? I just don't want
1: to put... You know what? Mute. No. Okay, (laughs) so my question comes down to would you still be willing to trade these guys away if you got those strong offers, or are you holding them hostage? Like, Is this like your new QBX means I am rolling with four or five quarterbacks, or would you fall back into the I'm doing this, I'll, I'll trade them away and go down to three or four if it means saving, you know, building up my wide receiver core, building up my running backs, or are you raising your minimum to about four or five quarterbacks?
2: I think I would, st- I mean, four, no, four is you, four is my minimum. <laughs> I can't, I can't go below four, but um, you know, I, I think that I could, I, I, for the right price, I could decrease my head count from four to five or from five to four. But ultimately like that's kind of what it's about for me is just maintaining the head count at quarterback, you know, whatever that number is, whether it's four whether it's five, because you can still take advantage of the trade value. You know, you can still package a quarterback. If you've got Pat Mahomes, you know, you package him with, with a running back, with your running back too and you get back, you know, a lesser quarterback, and a running back upgrade, I mean you're still taking advantage of the the value that that running back it has without without you know decreasing the quarterback headcount. So you know I, I I think that you can still do both. There's kind of a best of both world scenario there um but ultimately, I, like if you're gonna get we almost never see trades in superflex where you know, a quarterback goes one way and doesn't come back the other way. You almost never see it. Um, But, you know, if, if that happens, if you get that offer and you know, you're, you're maximizing the value. I mean, I still think that you have to take it. It just, it's going to be a lot harder for me to pursue that uh, after seeing, you know, what streaming within your roster can do. You say four, do you mean like four starters or
5: three
2: starters and, I you only know, like call him like I only call him quarterbacks yeah. if they're an actual NFL starter. <laughs> like it's it's very disrespectful to you know james like Jameis Winston has not been a quarterback for me, and I mean he's not a real quarterback in years, but like. this past season you know if somebody told me yeah I've got four quarterbacks one of them's Jameis Winston I said yeah you've got three and a half quarterbacks I've definitely
5: (laughs) seen like recently what I do in Superfly I never have less than three starters like I just can't like there's no way no chance because that other guy's always gonna get hurt always gonna have a weird year and then Mm -hmm. everyone else is just like Nick Foles and you know the guys who You know, have it some maybe if the starter doesn't do it, Fitzpatrick. You know, if that if there's a rookie or something like that, try to get that those other guys as that as as well there too. And I always keep everyone on a quarterback. I mean, Matt Moore, I probably still have rostered in spots and like because those you never know, like those guys will start one or two games. Like it happens all the time. It's crazy. Yep.
2: Yeah, too yeah. valuable. Yeah, bridge quarterbacks too. I I kind of. I don't quite count them as a starting quarterback either. Like you have to complete the, you had to have Fitzpatrick and Tua, you know, to get credit for one full quarterback, essentially.
6: I believe the boss is left. So we could quit. Oh, <laughs> we <laughs> do you
0: want? There's no rules. <laughs> he
6: had, he had
0: Pretty he had sure I said there was like no rules in the first
1: guy. place, but I stopped being a jerk. Oh, so I actually uh, don't just to didn't want to hold the phone
2: anymore. You just didn't want to talk quarterbacks anymore. Now that you're a running backs <laughs> guy.
6: Whoa! 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 <laughs> that, something no. I wanted to throw out there while we're talking about quarterbacks and the general value is, and I, I know I like the idea of having multiple quarterbacks or five starting quarterbacks or whatever, but the, I mean, I don't I don't see how it plays out. Like you were saying, the, the having Patrick Holmes means you can trade him, but then you don't have Patrick Mahomes. Out, like and, and, saying, Patrick- hey, boss. You can trade look, him, just you want to like get a little professional up in here? <laughs> or? No, I. Back off, my like, what the like? I have never been part of such a professional. Right
0: I don't need to hear Peter talk four times, and also yeah, once is enough.
6: <laughs> Not even I need that, and I need a lot, I,
0: and, dude.
6: It's
1: I turn the volume off, and it's still talking.
6: Mute yourself till you figure it out. Something. <laughs> Just keep... No, I, Again, I, we're from uh, Dynasty League football, the professional <laughs> content creators. <laughs> from DLF. No, it, it, it happens a lot. <laughs> I, I started... <laughs> no, I, I just thought it was funny. Me. No, I was going to say, it, you kind of have to revolve strategies one after the other in Dynasty because if you're having quarterbacks for their value, then the purpose of having that value is to trade them. But then you're in a different situation with a different roster construction. You have to switch up your strategy because it's not now based around having these high volume quarterbacks. So I know it's tricky. Something I was going to say is I think we're about to see a drop-off. Like it's been pretty consistent over the last few years to target the sophomore quarterback with rushing potential. Mm -hmm. Like I got kind of somewhat hosed for – drafting Kyler uh, Murray from our own fam in a Scott Fishbowl, Bowl. And to be fair, Patrick Mahomes and Kyla Murray carried me to the playoffs and then let me down the two weeks I absolutely needed them. So, you know, they have a running back, you know, anyone can let you down any week. But um, that's why I did it. I think we're about to see a drop-off of that. Joe Burrow, Herbert, they don't have that rushing potential. While being great quarterbacks and they're going to be starters for a significant number of years, it's not easy to spot the guy who could jump up to having that top five potential year over year. And so I think we're going to have somewhat of a downturn, even though the quarterback revolution is going to continue in terms of difference making quarterbacks emerging every year from the new, from the new breed, as it were, the new class. And so I don't know. And maybe it's Matt Ryan again, because it's normally frickin' Matt Ryan when someone has <laughs> one of those random difference making. It's only years, on even years. Matt Ryan only on even years. Even right, years. Right, right. Well, well, then it's not him either. Maybe it's Cam Newton because yeah. he's the only other one with multiple seasons that have done that, but I somewhat doubt that as well. So that's what I mean. It's going to be harder to pimp. I don't know. There is no rule or even years or not that easily pinpoints uh, a young quarterback with lower value or even high value that's going to have making one of those difference-making seasons. And that makes having a Patrick Mahomes or even a Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Sean Watson, who we know can do it, I haven't done it recently or as in last season, those might be the new targets. And know those are just some quarterback thoughts. I thought I'd drop on top while Russ is figuring out his Quarter- new camera quarterback's, angle. It's quarterback's stuff. super
5: weird. It's like there's – I feel like in the past, just because of the longevity – of players has totally changed. I mean, we don't have quarterback. We didn't have quarterbacks playing until 43. You know, we don't have, when you were 37, you're like, I'm done. But now these guys are going to continue. We have four rookies coming this year or more. All right. Or less, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it, that are going to be potential starters very quickly. It's just, it's a pretty deep position. I don't, I think it's a bit new. Um, I don't, I don't remember it ever being that deep. I mean, you can go 20 quarterbacks deep
1: and feel fine. But I think what's scary is, People are willing, teams I should say, are willing to move on from quarterbacks easier than I think they ever have in the past. And I think that's what's gonna drive up the value of guys like Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, these guys you know that aren't going anywhere. Like, you know, John Hogue's been saying for years that 10 of the first 12 picks in the startup should be quarterbacks. And My we're day doing has come. yeah, exactly. Like we're doing that mock, and the first I think 10 out of well, not the first, but I think 10 out of 12 picks in the first round. Were quarterbacks, and it's because we get down to. I, I mean, I guess now we feel a little bit safer, at least with Matt Stafford, because he found a new place, and so did Carson Wentz finally. But you know, Daniel Jones, we're all afraid of him getting Rosen, you know, replaced after one year or not one year, but you know, like there's all these quarterbacks like Matt Ryan. You know, the Falcons are rebuilding, is he going to end up getting shipped out somewhere? There, there's so many of these quarterbacks that. Normally we're just like, oh yeah, no, Jared Goff isn't going anywhere. What are you talking about? He's tied to McVeigh. It doesn't matter that he's not great. He's good, and he'll be there. And that's gone now because <laughs> Goff is gone. Yeah. So I think that's the that's the biggest thing driving the safety of those quarterbacks, as opposed to going for, you know, what are we? We're I guess we're jumping on the Jalen Hurts train because he's the second year mobile quarterback. That's, but that's that's random uh, as opposed to. Sorry, boss. No interrupt me because i kind of ran out of things to say you know i no I, sort
0: of I, I think the opposite kind of i mean i think i do think that quarterback tier is tier, deep but i but right now before we get those rookies in there like i mean do you really want to start anybody after say quarterback 10 and recent adp i mean now we can add Hurts to that i guess we get to quarterback 12 and it's ryan tannehill i don't want to miss my my quarterback one uh baker mayfield to a golf stafford Jones cousins ryan Ray. Trubisky went, you know, like these guys are are fine as your quarterback two three, but like if you don't get one of those top nine to ten guys eleven and twelve, if we're going to include Hurts and I guess maybe thirteen, if we're going to throw the rookies in there with Fields and and, and Lawrence, right? Uh, then that that top tier feels pretty good, but. Before then, like it, it, I, I don't want any of those guys after quarterback 10 or 11 as my quarterback one right now. Uh, so I really think that the quarter, this quarterback class, if it works out, like that's it's giving us the life that we need for this position, especially in Superflex, right? Uh, at least to have that quarterback, two that has some young stud upside and has some longevity because as much as we like, Cousins and, and Jones and Stafford, maybe they're going to play for another 10 years, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't want any of those guys after Rodgers right now as my quarterback one in a Superflex format.
6: Yeah, I think that's just going to further imbalance value versus production. Um, like you were saying, there's extra value on Mahomes because you got no questions about it. And if you have him on your roster right now, you didn't have to pay for that. So that's great. But if you're trying to draft now or you're trying to trade now for those quarterbacks with added value because teams are moving on quicker, golf's not safe, you don't want to start Ryan T- I I want all the Ryan Tannehill is what I'm saying because I think I can get production at this <laughs> great value discrepancy I can trade Pat Mahomes for Ryan Tannehill and get what? Where? How far are we going to push this? Because if I can start really improving at running back, to versus Point, who was absolutely correct and I said so at the time, but he said I was saying the opposite. The running, you backs weren't matter. saying it the way I was saying it, so I felt. <laughs> and, it so if I can take advantage of this uncertainty and this increased value and get production and value back, I, I don't know it feels like we might be entering this era where we're going to overvalue those quarterbacks, which are rightly va- have high value. But if you have to pay for that, then you're just getting what you paid for. And then when Patrick Mahomes has a damn week, because he's human, believe it or not, I'm surprised myself, but he's human. And so <laughs> and you're gonna have damn weeks. You your team suffers because you paid for top five and you're not get. if you see what I mean, the value and production discrepancies is gonna slide more towards those quarterbacks you don't want. That's why
0: That's you what have what to I'm draft thinking. them. That's right? Or, or when they're in the auction. Like you have to you have to get them then, otherwise it's like really don't even bother trying to get Mahomes unless you just want to set your team back for several years, right? So like, like John Which says, means, you know, they're always the cheapest in the startup. Yeah, I, I think that value is there already, or
6: getting there at least. I think we already have to pay pay for it. Even if you're doing a startup right now, You because know, Mahomes, even Wilson's probably a really high pick in the first round these days because of that value. But I, I haven't checked it out, so maybe I'm wrong. But I think that's the way we're sliding. I, mean, I see. I've already made the that you're wrong. Oh, yeah, that's right. Adam that's right. left just because you kept talking. Yeah, I suck.
1: I'm All right, so let let's, let's go about the opposite. The new guys just are afraid to jump in and interrupt Peter, which you have to, otherwise he won't stop talking. Yeah,
6: you have to. Like I expect <laughs> it. I want it. Do it. Okay. Do yes. It. Good. Stop it. So,
1: Jordan, what have you learned in the 2020 season?
4: I mean, I think. Well, to me, obviously, there was the notion that free agent wide receiver switching teams tend to. To one on the new team new system new quarterback we saw guys like Dre hopkins stefan diggs step right in their top tier you know i would consider them top five wide receivers in the league and be just fine i think for me as i think about guys like alan robinson chris godwin kenny galladay who could be potentially switching in the offseason guys who obviously aren't top five receivers but who i would put in the you know top 10 to 15 conversation to me that's talented enough for me to not be super concerned about them switching teams versus guys like uh, Will Fuller Marvin Jones guys like switching teams I'm still I'm not giving them a pass either uh, but I think guys like Hopkins dig showed that with, with volume with good quarterback play and with talent even in the offseason with no preseason to get uh, up to speed that those guys can still be productive and I think fading them was obviously a mistake and there could be value in people that if, if people People are fading, Alan Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin. If they do have any teams, I think there could be value there in 2021.
1: All right, Jordan, you want to see something funny? So what yeah. you're telling me is when these guys go to new teams and take over all those vacated targets that they get from from the guys that they clearly are that left, you can just – there you go. There it is, Peter left. <laughs> Peter hates the the – the idea of vacated targets. No, because what you're saying is what you said in the first place is what Peter believes and what is actually kind of true. Good wide receivers earn targets. They, they get them because they're good. So we shouldn't be afraid of good players going to new places. Like, the world panicked on DeAndre Hopkins before this season started. A, because, oh, no, he's like 28. That means he's going to be fitted for his orthotics and walker soon. It, you know, we got to get rid of him before he, you know he hits that dreaded you know prime of his career which we're terrified of but yeah but also DeAndre Hopkins going to a new team and it was crazy to think that he's going to be bad with Kyler Murray who we think is good so yeah i i though i will admit and it pains me to say that i was scared of Stefan Diggs and i did fade him a bit and i love Stefan Diggs it's just that Diggs was in Minnesota and complaining that he wasn't get, he, he's not getting accurate targets, and, and, and then he goes to Josh Allen. <laughs> and at the time, Josh Allen's accuracy was what? His completion percentage was in the low 60s, high 50s. And then he becomes awesome. Is that because Stefan Diggs was there to be awesome and catch the ball? Who the hell knows? But no, I completely agree with you. I am buying all of these wide receivers that are changing because people are, for some reason... Worried about Chris Godwin going somewhere, when Chris Godwin is great, and I don't think you have to worry. Regardless of what, him, Juju Smith-Schuster is probably going somewhere else. To be worried about him seems crazy to me. So I am absolutely one hundred percent on board with everything you just said, Peter. You have anything to say about that?
6: Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. And no, um, I was thinking about this randomly earlier because I constantly think about this all the time, every time. No, um. <laughs> <laughs> we do have to do a little hat tip uh, to Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. And I was on board with, you know, they're going to take their targets with them. They're going to be they're great players. Uh, as you pointed out, and I wrote a huge article that obviously no one, uh, none of you have read. But anyway... Um, <laughs> But there is, on gone. average, even for great players, no matter how you want to measure that, a slight <laughs> downturn on average when they go to a new team. The fact that both of them went there, maintained, or increased, is actually just a testament to the fact that these are two different level players. And frankly, we don't see a lot of different level players change team. Chris Godwin and Juju Smith Schuster kind of fit. That's a new thing, too. You don't we have not seen historically peak peak career and great players switch teams it has not happened a lot when it has happened there's typically a slight downturn but you not enough to expect a lowest lower floor because they themselves are good but you know it, it is worth you know giving them a little respect for the fact i mean just practically moving to a new town <laughs> getting a new house like we've got a nice storm going on right now and i'm distracted from everything like everything is an extra layer of difficult because i've got to think of all the extra chores i've Got and there's a roof about to cave in. Like they've got all that shit to deal with, just on a practical sense. And then you've got a new playbook, new coaches, you've got to win over a new locker room. It's not nothing that they were able to elevate in that situation. Again, that's just a testament to the type of players they are. And so I guess the only important point there is this is a new thing, too. So don't be too worried that, you know, whoever, whoever, back 10 years ago moved and then had a downturn or even like Andre Johnson did when he went to the Colts, but because that's not the level of career we're talking about at this point. We're talking about like peak, peak production window for Godwin and Juju. And we shouldn't be left. we couldn't be less concerned. Um, I mean, I should have been good. good.
1: You mean I should have been happy when Ojo Cinco went to the Patriots and I should have been that surprised kind
6: of that he didn't do well. That kind of thing. Uh, I have no mm. idea. That's before my era. I'm pretty young, Russ. Sorry, <laughs> I'm am like yeah, a I, youthful kind of a I appeal I, to the young demographic. I, I think I'm older than you. Well, <laughs> <So laughs> we're gonna we're gonna say you are, even if you're not. <laughs> yeah, fair.
4: Um, but yeah, yeah I definitely. might be. I might be alone here, but I, I don't have the confidence in Ju switching teams mainly because I wouldn't consider Juju even a top twenty talent in terms of wide receivers i don't know if that's we a kick him up but we've got a hater In, and, I, I and i would I like to production he, no. the production is, the age, agree with is, is easily is a, is a top 12 receiver talent
6: personally but i'm gonna shut up because you're making a <laughs> point i know
1: I'm yeah i mean from story. a no, to change topics because we were agreeing too much so go man go
4: jordan go yeah I, I guess from my standpoint a guy who like can't win against man coverage who's kind of bound to the slot on a team. I mean, obviously whatever team he's going to go to is going to pay him a lot and those targets might be enough to get him there. But I I guess if I I had to pick side of, is he going to fall more into the the guy that's going to struggle a little bit switching teams versus plugging right into me? He's not that, top elite level talent to just be able to plug into any offense any situation any quarterback and be fine and so he's a guy that I'm going to be f- fading versus a guy like Alan Robinson who I think is a much better player Chris Godwin much better player I'm a lot higher on those guys um, kind of all else equal about their situations but I mean it, it seems like I'm alone there which I'm totally fine you guys can have all the juju you want but uh with him
5: well, I think what's good about Diggs and, and Hopkins, too, is like, I mean, they're, they win by route running. You know, it's not just anymore being big and tall. It, that's, those right. things are, that's yeah, not really, uh, doesn't really impact as much when you move teams. I mean, Diggs is the, this ability to get open. And if you're open, I don't, I mean, I don't really know if it matters. You know, oh, you're going to get the targets, um, especially when there's not a ton of other options like you had to deal with the feeling and stuff like that. And, uh, in an offensive didn't pass off. And so, you know, you, the, the signs are definitely there. The good thing about Juju is he's 24, you know, he's super young. So that's helpful for sure with his value and, and that sort of thing. Like, you know, if you're buying or selling, I mean, that definitely gives him a ton of, ton of extra help there too. So it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. But I think we'll see these guys that Godwin's another example. Um, you know, they can use that route running the ability and 2020 was a super weird year. It was super weird. Um, defenses were, we've seen some of the most historically bad defenses this year. I mean, the, just the Lions were one of the top five worst defenses of all time. This year and the way that this season played out, rookies not getting their work. I we I think this may be sort of a weird outlier year where we saw some crazy stuff and it'll be uh interesting to look back on.
6: Wow, I wish I was one of the only podcasts pointing out that the defenses get less practice as well as the offense and like every other <laughs> fucking podcast. It is, I mean it'd it be brutal. great to be on that podcast, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Victory laps. Like that's my best example. Like this best that's the best of me victory laughing. But yeah, I, I mean, I did make that point. I'm pretty proud of myself for that one. Good You'd for you. <laughs> like I got one, right? You, when you get one, you just hold on to it and pretend like that's what you do every time. Right? Like I got one, right. So I get them that, all.
5: That's my, that's what I learned this yeah. year
6: too, is, is off
5: season is huge. Like we don't even realize what the, that time matters to rookies, to new teams, new coordinators, new players. It's just absolutely insane. Um, what those things do, and we we make fun of the preseason and OTAs and rookie mini camps and stuff like that, and joke about uh, you know, players running routes super slow and, and getting hit with footballs and stuff like that. But man, that that stuff really impacted the the season this year. And and uh, hopefully we get off season this year, and we don't we don't see that as much. But um, kind of what I alluded to, like defenses were just absolutely terrible, like just horrible defenses. Players were playing that guys who haven't played in years came out of, came out of uh, off the couch and stuff like that. As long as they are in the protocols and all that stuff and it, it was just brutal and, and those things trickle down into like very productive offenses. Very productive.
6: I'd like to just say I've never hated the offseason or made fun of it. And if the off-season is listening, I just want to know <laughs> I am a fan and uh you Thank know, you for everything you do. <laughs> a little separation for me and Adam. <laughs> like don't don't come at me, come at it. that's fine. I don't know who Adam is, but Sticky Z, since you're talking, I'm giving you all te- names because I refuse to read these these these, these handles here. No, that's the mine's I, so I, easy. Mine, mine's not like Pahadi. Obviously, that's a not, natural name. Okay, Pa. <laughs> no more talking, Pa. All right. So, so, Sticky Z. Why don't
1: you tell us what you learned from 2020?
5: Yeah, that, that's what I was going with. Was that off seasons were big and and uh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> I learned I learned too to love my neighbor.
6: And and it's the friends we made along the way. That's what I learned. Again, I would like to advocate for hating your neighbor. <laughs> um you're
5: just mad because there's another British person on uh, in the DLF uh, family, and it's you know there can't <laughs> be two.
1: No, see the thing is, Peter actually loves it because he He's... likes being self-deprecating, and Tom's just awesome. <laughs> so, like, he even in his drop before the episodes, he says, "Tom Kissinger, here." No, nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have that kind of money. Yeah, Tom was <laughs> here before me. Like, get your
6: facts straight before you come at me. <laughs> like, Tom was here long before me. I, I was always second in, in the beginning. I'm used to being number two again. Okay? <laughs> Wait, I just put myself. <laughs> so in no, no, two. place. All actually, all right. hey, accurate. hey, hey <laughs> accurate. Watch it, watch <laughs> it, Pa.
1: <laughs> don't don't take my stick. All right. Well, Derek, since we had your, uh, your teammate talk a little bit, you're just sitting there looking handsome. Why don't you actually tell us what you learned in 2020?
3: <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm flattered. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this shouldn't be news to anybody. I'm sure it's not. But just the reminder this year of how sucky, like every tight end is except for the top few. You know, one of the things Jordan and I talked about on our pod recently was just this, the, we kind of did like, like New Year's resolutions and just reminded ourselves, not to talk ourselves into 20 startable upside tight ends next year. Because we try to do that with all the, um, you know, just really just of of the Johnny Smith, the Hayden Hurst. Um, Of course, guys, we like more like Goddard and Sant. But I mean, there there was a list of guys that we thought could emerge into something. But I find it fascinating each year to just look at points per game um, and compare receivers and tight ends. Because, you know, in startups, if you're going to take one of those top tight ends, you obviously have opportunity costs. Of what you're giving up. But I think now it like couldn't be more clear for why taking tight end is, is so helpful. And you know we saw this already last year, but for people who aren't on board, just this year, Travis Kelsey, obviously tight end one average 20.9 points per game, uh, not tight end premium. That would have put him as the wide receiver three, just above Stefan Diggs on the season. So you're taking him in the third round, probably third round in startups coming into because of his age. And, I mean, he was, a, he was a huge difference maker. But then, like, you go down, down in your top ant, who a lot of Dynasty community love, tight end 12 in points per game at 10 points per game. That puts him down tied with Randall Cobb in points per game, wide receiver 58 this year. So it's just it's like trying to even call a guy a tight end one and lump guys like Waller, Kittle, and Kelsey into the same conference as some of these other guys who are up and coming – is completely unrealistic but we like to talk ourselves into it like oh yeah having a guy like that is really helpful but the truth you don't have a tight end who's like the center point of that offense i.e kelsey waller kittle and even even andrews dropped some um but i think those guys are just huge difference makers and i know on a couple of dynasty teams i had this year i'm a big chiefs fan so i hoard all the chiefs players in my leagues, which has worked out pretty good recently not in like the early 2010s but uh, hey, was, Jeremy Maclin was a hero huge. for a little bit. He did. He did. And Dwayne Bo back in the day, um, <laughs> until I was there, then he didn't throw to receivers. But just having that, that top tight end matter something, because like you guys were talking quarterbacks and how much the, the top quarterbacks matter because you don't want anybody else like 12 and down. Tight ends, you know, we know is, is even smaller there. So we try to put like, oh, yeah, Noah Fant's a top five tight end as if he's not that far behind uh, Kittle, Waller and Kelsey, but it is just a amount of a gap between them. And, and I think those are guys that I, I'm willing to spend highly, even though Kelsey's getting older because of the difference they make, uh, because of the center point of the office, I'm just trying to remind myself going into next year that they do really matter. And that, although we get really hyped up for the Johnny Smith type of players, uh, we can't even think they're going to level yet until they show any bit of that. And, um, the, the, Yeah, that's definitely worth the opportunity cost, in my opinion.
1: Okay, so first I need to ask a question that, thankfully, John Bosch is not here for. How do you feel about tight end premium?
3: I started to like it more. That was one I didn't um, play much in the last few years. Got into it more recently in, like, the UDPL this year. And I think it makes guys like Kelsey and Kittle just, like – almost a little too good, you know, looking at those those comparisons. I mean, Kelsey was wide receiver one. If you were to classify him as wide receiver there by, um, by pretty good ways, I think Adams were close, but because the rest of the tight ends are so bad, it at least gives them some validity because pretty much with the way it is, if you don't get a top three guy, I mean, you might as well just kick it to, you know, since you can get a touchdown. If you get Jared Cook, that's pretty much on a week to week basis is Noah Fant. Um, you're splitting hairs. Uh, nobody likes to hear that, but that, that that's kind of how I feel about it. If you can give at least a little bit more value to tight ends, uh, that helps. Although, honestly, even those lower-end guys, they're getting 40 catches a year, so it's not like that half a point really um, elevates them much. It just makes the guys like Kelsey and Waller, who get seven catches a year, uh, that much more elite already.
6: If you want to affect the value of a position, start more of them. Changing their no, scoring does it. jack. It just starts just to changes the disparity is... within the position or between the positions, so it, that, it does nothing. That's no, what, that's okay. tell, tell
0: them that's how might my... be like. No. Too tight no. and retired. <laughs> no, that,
1: that's my. I, that's my take. I, I am my. It is my firm position. You should not league shame anyone. Everyone is allowed to do whatever they think is fun. I didn't you say that. Play one to, quarter, but if
6: you wanted to. You want to play one quarterback? More
1: power to you. You want to play an 18 league? More power to you. You want to play two tight ends? No. It's the dumbest thing ever. I'm sorry. (laughs) What good are you doing your (laughs) Uh, league? Making people start? I can't even think of a terrible tight end because most of them are terrible. Too many are coming to mind. I can't name who the quarterback 24, quarterback, the tight end 24 is anymore. Like, I don't even... Like, are we going to have to start Dawson Knox every week? Sorry, you're wearing a Bills hat. Uh, but, like, it's just forcing to start bad players
6: doesn't help anything. No, See, but t- it effectively changes the value of Dawson Knox.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't help him. It does, uh, changing it the doesn't scoring help the doesn't
6: t- do that. It just means he's, you know, relative to his with position he goes in, but it doesn't actually change the effects on your starting decisions or the value of the position. And I didn't say you had to. You're saying you're you're league shaming. I'll just point that out. You're like, no, one hundred percent shaming me. Like I'm not. I'm playing whatever no. league if you want. If you want to affect the value of the tight ends, you start more of them. If you don't want to do that, then you don't want to affect the t- value of the tight ends.
4: Sorry, you don't. <laughs> it doesn't do it. To, m- to me, tight end premium increases the chance that you could either you know flex a tight end if if things are. Getting Maybe gasp, deciding bit. between a Randall I, card then and again, someone else on the bench. Eric's event.
6: point that that's true for like two,
0: <laughs>
6: and the I, I rest most weeks are not. For, See, to me, the
1: tight end for, premium for makes double you... t-
0: double points for tight end like one and a half points does nothing. Like one and a half is just like that's it changes fair. the perception of the value, but it really in reality does nothing. Whereas if you if you get up to two or even one point seven five like in Russ's TA leagues, like then you might mm-hmm. like in a bye week consider flexing one, but. When we're at 1.5. I don't really think it it changes much.
1: Yeah, I went to 1.75 in the trade addicts leagues because I didn't think 1.5 did anything. But my real goal going along with tight end premium is to make me not want to cry if I didn't have <laughs> those top three guys. And and until recently, again, like I just I never pay up for running backs, never pay up for tight ends. Like I I pay up for tight ends now because it's gotten worse. Like it, there. It, you know, ten years ago, if you had Gronk, you had Jimmy Graham, you were set. But there was a good couple of guys you felt safe starting. N- not anymore. Like there's three
6: dudes, and that's pretty much it. Like I'm not I really Mark know, Andrews I, guy because he's. I, don't, I think that's, I, actually, I think we have like a possible three way conversation, right? A three way conversation. Anyone want to come in with me? It's me and Russ and a third optional. No, and like Kittle, Waller, and Kelsey look like that level of tight end. Traditionally, we've had one for a while. There, we had Gronk and Graham, and everyone wanted to because Graham doesn't, you know, play like Gronk. They didn't want to value him that way. But he was the only other one. Before that, we had Aaron Hernandez, right? Uh, No, Tony Gonzalez. Sorry. Um, Well, Hernandez. He was pretty much sitting on top with Jason Witten being a top twelve, but never really a top five guy. Like we rarely have two, and right now we have a potential three.
0: Disrespecting Mr. I think it's a little higher right
6: now. That's that's my how. Say it a little louder, Matt.
0: I said, I think you're respecting Antonio Gates quite a bit with Thurgood Noomis. That's, um, that's fair. Yeah, I'm forgetting. I'm
6: not there. looking at the, the, the list. Yeah, but like two is good and we've got a potential three. Right- I don't good. think it's ever been like four or five guys who were easily we, in that tier. I think I, we've I think we been have- lucky to have three if we ever have. You know what I mean?
0: I don't think, I think we ever even have, have four to five now. I think we can maybe, I mean, I don't think we can quite throw Hawkinson into that group, but you know, I think he showed it. Although we have a new quarterback there, so yeah, see that's that what I mean. We have right, some... but you know, there's no there's no wide receivers there. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm agreeing with you, Peter. I think we have three that are the, like kind of the I'm not used to but it, I still have yeah. faith in Andrews. <laughs> I still have faith in Andrews. I still think he's a very good player. I still have faith, have faith in Hawkinson. I think when we see a full season of Dallas Goddard, depending on how Jalen Hurts works out, I think we've got five to six that we can feel pretty good about. But I mean, those next and three that, they haven't reached the, yeah. the the levels top three. Um, but you know, if, I think it feels better. I think at least the top half of the tight end ones, like, I think they feel better than they did, like, like when yeah, you were it talking. But to Derek's point, like I
1: know. feel like we go into every year saying, "Oh, it's not just those top guys anymore. These three or four right. guys are going to," and we're constantly disappointed. Yeah, but I, is, I think so, that so I, we can't, have seen I can't the mistakes
6: of people from the past, Russ. I can't, <laughs> I can't answer everyone's mistakes, but I have consistently pointed out, like tight ends repeat at the highest rate of any position. And it's like twice as likely that a tight end repeats in the top three, which is really where you want them, or even in the top five. Like, it's been consistent for years. So I haven't said that. That's all I can say. Don't don't take shame me, man. They're not my takes. I'm just saying right now it feels like – I feel (laughs) – <laughs> Why don't you talk, Adam? You 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 know you were
5: so oh, brutally no, no, interrupted. No, no, no. There, was, he noticed. I was his enjoying. Music. I was enjoying his uh, his muting. It was quite quite funny. Um, hey, Pa. <laughs> hey, you but, don't uh, want
6: me here, man. Don't ask me here. The, uh, <laughs> but I talk. That's what I do. Well,
1: You know what you expected. I couldn't put in the group chat. Hey, everyone, but Peter. We're getting
6: together. <laughs> don't know how, I, I really man. I I, don't have to be next be here. Time I literally maybe pushed us the podcast back because I thought you wanted me here. <laughs> 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 I can go do them.
5: <laughs> no, oh, so yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, it's a it's a value question too. It's like is is taking Kelsey, maybe you know the top levels, but are those worth it if you're gonna pass on? Um, you know. I guess Michael Thomas isn't what he used to be, but passing on wide receiver ten, passing on those guys, which you can get their value later. But it's that's the question that it comes down to, you know, I'll always, I, 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 I want to be more like Derek. Definitely, I want to take those guys because they do, they will win you weeks all the time. You're just like, damn, my, this guy gets to start Kittle, and oh, he is he is Mark Andrews too, and I'm out here starting Hayden Hurst and starting uh, Mo Alley Cox and just just loving it just really loving doing that. So I definitely, that's definitely something I want to look into more because it, it does change, especially like uh, uh, dynasty Two redraft too. is always like,
0: damn. well, I think the thing is that the, the, play, the people that have those top three, they certainly have an advantage over the rest of the league, but there's still, you know, nine other teams in the league that, that don't have a significant advantage over you. So building an advantage at a position over, uh, you know, that many people I feel is, is better at another position at, at, at that point. I love taking those guys in the range, but I don't want to pass up on a on a great running back too, or my maybe my wide receiver too in that same range where I'm I'm, I'm spending on Kittle and Kelsey, uh, whereas I can get Andrews, you know, three rounds later, and it may not be quite as good, but he's definitely going to have spike weeks where he's going to win you that week if you have that advantage at tight end. So I'd rather advantage against the vast majority of people instead of just worrying about like three other teams in the league, you know.
3: Yeah, I guess I just – I get it. It just seems like the, the advantage is so huge. Like, just points per game-wise, even Andrews, who's the four, he scored 12 points per game. Where Kelsey – like, Darren Waller was up at 17. You're talking five, five points per game. And on the season, I mean, Waller is the tight end, too. Outscored Andrews, who everybody likes, by 100 points. Like, you, I, I I'm i not looking at the running backs and stuff, but I don't think you're seeing that quite to that extreme, other than, I mean, the Camaras, you know, right at the top are doing it that but through the list it's not that way so like I I get like I always used to push tight ends down too what I'm kind of more in the camp is like if you can get a top three guy do it and I think it's worth paying up because yes there's only a couple other guys who get those but you get over everybody else you're getting a wide receiver one in a position where everybody else has like a wide receiver five or six equivalent but then if you don't get one of them then I'm not one to go and try to get that mid-round pick on Hawkinson or Fant or Andrews because I don't think they're that much. Much better game basis and what they're going to give you over the Eric Ebrons of the world. Even of course, you know, you don't, you don't want the guy that has a little bit more trajectory, but I just think there's so many receivers in those mid rounds that have a lot better chance of jumping up than, than some of these tight ends, the running backs with them being kind of weak. If, If you miss out, like you said, on the top 20 running backs, it gets pretty ugly there. But I, I mean, even like running backs, I was looking before actually Russ, before you brought it up, what I was thinking about this year is just how, you know, how good some terrible running backs have been. I was just looking at like running backs who had scored in the top five of any week. Tim Hines did that three times. He was a top five running back. Malcolm Brown, Rex Burkhead, Jeff Wilson, Bernard, J.D. McKissick, Kalen Bellage, Latavius Murray, Mike Davis, Tony Pollard. Like just every year there's these guys that have big upside weeks um, at the running back position because running back's so volatile. Um, so I think it's so important you get that top guy, But even like running back twos, I think you can just fill in with matchups. And and so, I mean, that's kind of getting to a different thing. But I'll I'll be in the camp, you know, alone at at how big, you know, or how worth it it is to take Kittle, even in like the second round of a startup if necessary. Although I think because of his injury, now it's looking like he's more of a third round pick, which is, you know, all the better to me.
1: Yeah, right. It's just better value.
3: I think we How have, so- like,
5: a, also a bit of a heuristic on age, too. And it's like we see Kelsey's 31, and because he, he plays like a wide receiver, we're just like, no, 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 no. We just can't do this, even though he's probably going to play yeah. five more years. I mean, I don't know yeah. if he if he starts, starts to fall off, but, like, there's there's a good chance that these these guys, especially the guys at the top level, these days, of the sports science and all that stuff and that goes into all these things, you know, they're not, well, they're not drinking as much beer as they used to. Uh, I'm sure they're drinking plenty. Especially, especially Kelsey and all those guys, but you know, it does, they do last a little longer than I think we see them age and we're just like out of it, but they, they do tend to be much, much more, um, uh, insulated there.
1: Yeah. I, I think I, I, I stand firm on the fact that I think Calvin Johnson ruined dynasty fantasy football by just randomly quitting at age 30. And like that, I know there's actual statistical proof that. Thir- that there's an age wall at 30, you're just not as good as you were, especially if you minor injuries start to pile up and you cut, are harder to come back from. But especially tight ends, like it's silly to get upset about Kelsey being 31. Like you said before, it's a different day and age than even when Antonio Gates was like 32 and slowly walking, but still catching 85 balls for 16 touchdowns. But like, so it, it It's an outlier thing for players to play that well that long. But haven't we seen that Kelsey is a bit of an outlier anyway? Like, just as what he has done five physically. straight
0: years of tight end
1: one. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, to, you're talking uh, about a survival bias.
6: Uh, not every wide receiver is made the same. Those that are elite who play to an elite age tend to be elite yeah. still when they're playing elite age. Most that age out or just maging out on lower career arcs anyway. So yeah. Stop agreeing. It's weird. Also, yeah,
5: 2014 don't put cool words on Don't put
1: cool on on, on uh, <laughs> Well, he has the English accent. He has to use it for something, right? He has to, you know,
6: Pretty sound much.
1: smarter than everyone else.
6: Well, I, 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 until you got the money to get Tom in here, then it's just me, so deal with it. I try. Yeah, <laughs> we have to record at, like, five in the morning just so he feels comfortable to come in here. It's worth and, it. Yeah, wait, we might have to do that. You that, or you
1: that Let's just go until five in the morning. We'll go until Tom wakes up and just joins, right? Let's let's keep going. It's not like I don't have kids and a job to wake up to way too early tomorrow. where. See, all you do is hurt me, and all I want to do you is made love your me. choice. <laughs> that is a very fair point, also, along with the new puppy that I have that just doesn't let me sleep ever. Uh, but, okay, so back to tight ends. And the reason I think that I, I, I weirdly agree with Derek, because I've never been one to pay up for tight ends, is they get wide receiver number targets. Like, Kelsey, Waller, and Kittle are one, two, to like the top two targets on their team. And the only reason I say that is because Tyreek Hill. Otherwise, I would say they're all ones. And Kelsey, I am far too lazy to ever do any research whatsoever. So I'm not going to rush right now to look to see who got more targets between Tyreek and Kelsey. But I'm sure they're both really high numbers. So these three guys happen to be the number one pass catchers for their team. So it makes sense to me to just treat them as wide receivers. But you get the added bonus of getting that positional advantage. So while again, I've never really been on this side of the argument before. I, I'm with Derek right now.
0: I, I, I can throw a little its certainly not high level or anything. But last year we did kind of a, a breakout or fake out series, at DLF, and I wrote one on, on Noah Fant. Uh, and so I just wanted to look at, you know, what in terms of the targets on the team, like where do they rank in the in the in the pecking order, right? So, uh, so I wanted to look at. I, th- I think we can all agree that like after tight end six, like you can you, you catch a touchdown of the week, you're probably going to finish as a back end tight end one, right? So we so to, to really be a difference maker, you got to be in that top three, I guess, as we're talking about today. But I, I set it up as kind of the top six. So, uh, uh, so the I was looking at it was after looking at the finishes from the past four season. Um, uh, oh, geez. I'm I should, I should have prepared this before. I know we we're talking about <laughs> tight ends. Uh, so we're supposed to be professional uh, here. Only Austin Hooker. It's true. Uh, so, so if we're looking at target share, only Austin Hooper from the last four seasons, not including 2020, uh, was able to produce a top six performance with a target share below 17.5%. Uh, and 67% of the tight end ones, uh, so the tight end one through six, uh, from those four years led their team in targets. Uh, 29% were second on their team in targets and just four which was Austin Hooper was outside of that. So, I think another thing we need to be looking here at tight ends is, is where they fall in that pecking order. I know we do this with wide receivers of course too and running backs in terms of their target share. So, it's kind of straightforward, but you know, when we get into these 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 uh, infatuations with these back end tight ends that we think have all the potential that we really need to be looking at you know how many targets are they actually going to get in relation to the other players on their team so when we look at those top three guys they're the top targets on their team right i think we can argue that andrews is probably the top target on it on this team if kenny galladay doesn't come back i think we can probably argue that tj hawkinson is is, is the top target getter on the team quintus baby is ever Woo. going to be the top target on that team and i, I call them a fake out of this yeah and so then we have God, we have goddard you know i, I think that's the potential just based on the the crap crappiness of that quarterback or excuse me that that wide receiver room right uh but you know after that it still it gets kind of sketchy tanya and i guess probably not if they actually add a wide receiver evan ingram we don't know what's going on with him hunter henry probably not mike gusecki probably not so it, we so so you know just to put a point on it you guys are right i mean Derek is right like if you want a top three tight end if you want a difference making tight end you need to have one of those guys that are going to be the top target getter and those are the we have right now, and you can throw Andrews and Hawkinson if you want, if you want, but after that, I, I don't really think you can say that about too many of those other ones.
6: And uh, there's something to say about the potency of the offense as well. Like Gronk and the Patriots had Julian yeah. and Wes Welker going off every year. Tyreek Hill also goes off with Travis Kelsey, but we're talking about very prolific offenses. So there's something to do. Like if you had told me, um, like give him, and by the way, future guys, if you could do this every now and again, you lazy, but let us know what's going to happen it'd be great but if you told me Tennessee was going to be as productive as it was in 2020 that would have made me even more sure that Jonah Smith was going to be a difference maker instead of just streamable and I think he was the top 12 so you know technically we can say it worked out but it wasn't that level that we're talking about so I know it, it's difficult mix but I think the potency of the offense also kind of matters there too.
1: Well, yeah, I I feel like it's a a safe thing to say you want players from good offenses and that works even stronger for onesie positions or I guess if we're going to consider running backs onesie positions as well, it's like it's always safer to take a running back on a good team because, you know, they're going to run the ball more. So I think that works with tight ends also because you're going to want What's that? What was the
6: face, Peter? What was the face? You're no, it's face. actually a really good point, and it is obvious, but we seem to, I forget, let's just put it on me, because I'm the worst ever, that, that the obvious works. Like, yeah, wide receivers who do better younger are better players. Seems obvious until everyone's <laughs> trying to value players that did worse later over those that did young, better younger. Because, yeah, draft off players from good teams seems obvious, and yet we continually sometimes fade them or get whether it's a good team wrong or not, to be fair, um, over players we have more hype around, or more story around, or they're younger, or they have more value. So yeah, it's obvious, but it's actually, I found it really useful to keep it in mind because it's easy to forget as well, even though it's obvious. So like, it's been doing me service as as smart as I think I am, obviously. And you guys are obviously all smarter, listening, and also in this thing, But so you don't have to, but I've found it worth noting. Yeah, I want players on the better teams first seems very obvious like Russ says but it's easy to forget all right well
1: before we move on because I know we at least have one more person we haven't heard from and Hogue's been sitting here on mute for like the past 45 minutes uh (laughs) but Jordan and Derek just let me know that they're gonna have to leave in like five so why don't you say goodbye and remind everyone who you are and what you do and we know where you can find what you do because they're listening to it right now so just uh pimp yourselves out for a second
4: yeah, let me let me put a quick exclamation point on the tight end discussion by saying Kyle go high enough in rookie drafts this year. Um, love Kyle Pitts as a talent and think that he's going to be closer to that Kelsey Kelsey and Kittle tier than any of those other guys that we've been talking about. So um, love him and just had to give him a shameless plug. In terms of where you can find us, uh, or you can follow follow me on Twitter at Jordan can Follow our pod at DB Football Pod and we release our shows. Um, Every Franks will be dropping one tomorrow with a dynasty mock startup, so be sure to tune into that.
3: Yeah, and uh, you follow me at Derek Ambrosen, but I mean, best, best way to get a hold is just our um, our podcast Twitter. But uh, I have nothing else. This is fun. Thanks for having us. <laughs> this, and uh, hopefully, you get a few more listens out of this too.
1: Yeah, whatever. You're just gonna talk for the sake of talking, right? <laughs> but thanks for joining. Hopefully you do get those listeners. If you're listening to this and you're silly enough to not actually listen to the dynasty builders, when you see it pop up on your stream, knock it off and just listen, just, you know what, instead of listening to super flex city or Flex super show, because John isn't talking, <laughs> just listen to the dynasty builders instead. Maybe this will make John <laughs> unmute his fricking microphone. Nope. Still nothing. All right. Well, fellas, thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping in. Thanks for, hopefully we see you on more of these in the future. And, uh, We'll listen to you on the Dynasty Builders.
0: Absolutely. Good to have see you guys, man.
1: All right. And uh, Peter also left. I think he just got tired of us. Uh, but uh, I'm like flabbergasted. We just had like five people leave. And now I'm just, I don't even know what to do anymore. Uh, Matt, I don't well, think it's you-
0: It's a little bit more intimate. It's a little more it's... intimate now, Russ. Now we can really, uh, you know, stretch out, grab, a, grab a beer, you. you know.
1: Oh, that would have been I need a, I need a mini Sounds fridge like now I can get anymore. a word in now. <laughs> I
5: can talk now. It's amazing.
1: Man, that's what I need. That's 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 the next stage of you know, screws, sound equipment, like soundproofing this little area. I'm getting a mini fridge. That's what I need to do. <laughs>
2: oh nice. All
1: right, Matt. So uh, I think you haven't given us your uh lesson for twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about some of the ones I was gonna I was gonna say already. I was gonna talk about running backs. I was gonna talk about quarterbacks and superflex. Uh, but I guess I have one more, and I guess it, it maybe it runs counter to Adam earlier statement that you know the off matters so much, uh, but it's that that you know we we saw the elite rookies like it didn't really matter for them like jester Jefferson set the record and he didn't have an off season right uh the running backs they were pretty good they were, we didn't really have an off season CD C- Lambs was was pretty good before Dak got hurt didn't really have an off season so you know I, I don't know if that really changes anything in rookie drafts in the future for me but i think really like you know, it, 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 let's say let's say if Jamar Chase comes out, we haven't seen him at play in a year, right? We, we're pretty sure he's he's really good prospect. He's, he's a really good prospect. He's most people wide receiver one in this class. But let's say he comes out and you know has a hamstring pull or something early in the off season and misses time, like that that, that we saw that with Odell Beckham back in 2014. That these players that are just you know a cut above that maybe maybe the off season doesn't matter quite as much with them. So maybe not sell them to get hurt early in the off season, or God forbid we, do, we don't have an offseason again in 2021, right? So, uh, you know, maybe it was an anomaly, maybe it was an outlier, but we did see these elite talents kind of produce without any kind of real preparation.
1: Yeah, I feel like we need to call this like the A.J. Brown rule because it was like the most recent realization that we really just need to worry about talent over situation, and situation could be the team you land on, yeah. or it could just be no preseason. We knew Justin Jefferson was awesome. We knew C.D. Lamb was awesome. So it was... I guess hindsight being twenty twenty, a little weird to think that they just wouldn't be good anyway. Now, clearly, Justin Jefferson breaking records—I well, don't know if anyone saw that—but again, it, it's something we probably should have expected a little bit, as opposed to I know even I mean, I'll I'll always say I'm wrong because I'm mostly wrong, so it's just easier just to assume I am. Like I was a little fading on rookie uh, wide receivers coming in because it was in my head that it takes time to learn wide receiver position. You need to gain that chemistry with your quarterback and blah, 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 blah. All the stuff that clearly was wrong. Talent wins out.
5: Yeah. I mean, I I think being on more focused on the defensive side, like double Sturkeys were pretty much pretty decimated. Um, So that definitely colors my view a little bit. And when you, when you have someone like Justin Jefferson going against, like I mentioned, Detroit being one of the worst defenses of all time, um, you know, he's going to absolutely torch them and, you know, the way he wins is a way that you can't really game plan that much for someone who like that. Um, and he did, you know, be, he was a little higher than people expected. But there there were players who, you know, maybe could have used that. I, I think like LaVisca Chennault, not that it was a high-powered offense. It's just, you know, he's a really uh, explosive player. Just, you know, when you're not you, – you don't have the off season to – just an example, and this. this can fit to other guys as well – um, you don't have the off season to scheme him up, you know. You lose that kind of stuff. He's not ready to go, you know. So, so I think there's there's pluses and minuses. I think with this, I think overall it was it was just weird to not have an off season, and then we see the results kind of hit different players different ways, and and that's kind of how just I mean the whole year went really. Um, but that is sort of my uh, my take on it. But I agree, man. And and then the other thing is with rookies and fading them and stuff like that is. I, I almost want to say it's not normal, you know, to have rookies be phenomenal at the gate all the time. Like this, these are, these are rare occurrences to begin with, but it's becoming more and more, more and more of, a, of an occurrence that happens just all the time. Um, so maybe it's something we we do need to kind of change that that mindset. Really, I mean, but I go, I go back and forth on it too because you know the, the third year breakout is pretty dead. But if a guy doesn't have a great first year, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to close the book. And then a year like this, I'm even more. Uh, hesitant to do that
1: it's funny at first you know, like we we're all clamoring that like you got to give rookie wide receivers time we got spoiled by 2014 but then that's next year we have two or three rookie wide receivers that do really well like we had DJ Moore or at least DJ Moore sort of do well at the end Calvin Ridley caught all those touchdowns and then the next year we had man my brain is blanking but then you know who who the hell came out the year after them i can't remember anymore well, Cortland Sutton, DK. Uh, yeah, DK Metcalf. Like you know, we had man, that was last year. Put- I couldn't remember it. Oh, that's freaking awful. Um, and then we, this year, we yeah, had. Yeah, like-
0: ha- no, go ahead.
1: Like yeah, it, we had like yeah, okay. The horrible, horrible, horrible 2016 draft. Like it's just like the you want to you want to talk like, if you ever want to say rookies are bad, you just go to 2016. Uh, but except for Michael Thomas. But like, I, I feel like we finally got to the point where we're like, okay, maybe we did just have a lucky 2014 and stuff like that. But I think what Adam said is right. Like I think maybe we do sort of need to be okay with the idea of feeling comfortable with rookies that come in with that we think are super talented. Not that just get drafted high because like we went nuts for Nikhil Harry, but was it because he was uber talented? I mean, I don't think so. But he, he was the best... Well, at the time, he seemed to be the best prospect coming out that year. So it was silly of us to think that he was going to do great that year. But, like, CeeDee Lamb coming in, Justin Jefferson coming in, we knew are talented enough to just come in and, and do what they need to do. But we still had this feeling in the back of our heads, like, well, they're rookie wide receivers, so let's just, let's temper it down a little bit. And I don't think we necessarily have to, especially now that it, like you said, like, In a year where there was no preseason, these guys still were able to get it done. So I think we need to get in our brains that talent does just win out. And I I think that is something I definitely also now learned.
3: Talk, John (laughs) Hogue. I'll
0: I'll, I'll let John talk
2: if he wants to. I don't. I don't do wide receivers. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: I, I mean, mean the, only, the only thing I was just gonna say was like rugs. You know, first wide receiver off the board, Jerry Judy, second wide receiver off the board, and in, in a in the in the NFL draft. You know, I mean, didn't really. Obviously, there are other factors here. Um, maybe necessary for Judy. You see, the Lamb goes, Jalen Rager started slow, had a thumb injury. I only know that because I'm wearing an Eagles hat. Um, you know, I mean, there are injuries here for these guys too. T Higgins stuff like that. You know, it, it, there's always going to be players that do better than their than their draft spot in the rookie draft. You know, the number 1 guy is not always going to be good. We know what we'll have him with John Ross, we know all these things. Um, but you you kind of want to buy in when when the value's low. And I think it's it's a good it's a good thing to remember how weird this season was and uh, just kind of take it from there.
0: Yeah, I think I'm just a to, drafting i of draft the
1: fast guy. Like I, I think that's another thing. What from what you've just
5: I was going to
0: transition. So if you got something else on that, go ahead.
1: No, that was just going to be me bitching about fast people. Like I was big into John Ross. I I, I loved him mostly because I'm a Seahawks fan, and Ross uh, was in Washington. So it's just like no, you know, gotta gotta stick. To, and like Will Fuller, and he was for a different reason, but and the same. Like that's why I was kind of out on rugs. It's just like. No, I'm not doing it again. I'm not just falling sucker to the fast guy because it seems like the fast guy is going to be the first wide receiver taken these days in the NFL draft. And I I think I've kind of stepped away from that, especially believing that they will do well quickly. That's not to say that Ruggs is going to be bad and that Fuller won't be. I think we've seen John Ross for what he is. But I think nowadays it's more of the possession guys, the route runners, you know, The DJ Moore's, Calvin Ridley's, I'm stuck on those guys. And then you get lucky every once in a while where a guy like Cortland Sutton, man, I'm really, I'm just stuck into the guys that I remember like at the top of my brain. Like (laughs) he fell into a great situation where all of a sudden Sanders and Demaryius Thomas got traded and all of a sudden it's just Cortland Sutton. And he just happens to be really big and really fast. And so it didn't matter that he wasn't a great route runner because he was getting the targets and he's, you know, can just like reach over people. So like I, I think a specific kind of player can do better, especially if they're in a good situation. So I, I, yeah, I, I
0: think that's when, I think that's where situation comes in because a guy like Court and Sudden, he can, he can handle a quarterback like Drew Lock, right? Who's just going to just, just throw it up there and hope he goes and get it. But that's yeah. where those you know the the savvy route runners, the the timing based receivers, like they need that quarterback that's going to be able to deliver the ball on the spot where they need it at the minute right so it, it's another thing looking at situation and what kind of player is fitting there. So I, I agree that talent wins out in most cases, but I, I think situation is still important for you, you have to look at the type of player it is and the situation they're in and then make a make a decision on if that player fits that particular scheme you know
1: yeah, that's far too much thinking for me
5: <laughs> so, I guess quarterback <laughs> there's a lot to do with I don't obviously have the numbers in front of me and you know there's a lot to do with being good early conti- can continue on and you continue to be good you get more opportunities and all these things come with it where that initial hit of situation, CD Lamb went to a good situation. Um, you know, we didn't think Jefferson went to such a good situation, but the talent kind of went out there. Um, you know, Pittman looked good. You know, there, there were some guys that kind of fell in a really nice spot and it worked out well um, where, where it did, it, it will produce later on um, for those guys. And I think CeeDee Lamb's a great example of that. Cause it just was a great spot, ton of volume and he played well and, you know, I don't know if, we, you know, if that's is the quarterback or whatever they decide to do, you know, it'll be good for him. And that that'll, that'll, that should continue on. Um, whereas, you know, guys who kind of stumble, it, it is. It is. We do see John Ross's. I don't know if Ruggs is going to fall into that. Like, we don't know yet. Um, I don't know if those speed guys are is gonna, ever going to be good for fantasy. It's just not how we score. I mean, we don't score on 80-yard pass interferences. We don't score on, you know, giant spacing plays where – you know, he's taking two guys off the field. That that stuff wins NFL games all the time, but it's something we never see. Um, so, not, not saying it's all he does, but, you know, those things do matter that we don't get in fantasy.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's also what makes, like, Tyreek Hill such an outlier, right? Because we, at first, we thought he was a gadget player. We thought he was just the fast guy, and he turned it into so much more. And I think he, <laughs> Tyreek Hill sort of ruins our perception of what the fast guy is. Cause I think for the past three years, we've been saying the next Tyree Kill, the next Tyreek Hill. The problem is I I don't think there is going to be a next Tyreek
0: Hill. Well Well, I mean, we can say that that's even necessarily a situation-based. Yes, Tyreek Kill is really fast, and we know he's really good, but if he didn't have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and, and all the amazing play callers, Eric Bienamy and those guys that call and plays for him and setting him up and scheming him in a certain way is that, you know, like let's say Derek Carr was his quarterback and, and <laughs> you know, John Gruden was his head coach and we have a Henry Rudd situation on our hand. Like I, I was not a Henry Ruggs fan because I just didn't think that that landing spot was going to be able to – you know, a creative enough way to get him the ball in short areas is what he needed to be to have success with with, with Derek Carr at quarterback, right? So, uh, you know, put Tyreek Hill on the Raiders with Derek Carr and John Gruden, maybe we have we have a different situation with him too.
1: So, the real answer to all of this is we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> we have no idea. we have no way we're, of predicting anything.
2: <laughs> definitely not wide receivers the wide receivers are still like yeah i feel like there needs to be a referendum on all this and i apologize i was i was arguing about quarterbacks on twitter which (laughs) is far more interesting to me so that's kind of
0: that's what happened we we love you for
2: who you are john people freaking still questioning me on qbx uh anyways (laughs) that's how how you know it's working (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's true. I end up defending it way more than actually using it though. It's, it's, it gets annoying. Um, but I, you know, I, like it, it does seem like, you know, the, the rookie wide receiver, like the, the, the learning curve is definitely getting shorter. Um, and I think that we can, we can finally start to trust that where we used to think, you know, like, it takes like three years, you know, two, three years before you finally get these guys at their in their breakout season. And I think that we're seeing it happen a lot faster now. And, you know, to Matt's point, just, I mean, the fact that these guys were able to produce at this level without a preseason kind of speaks to, you know, how much more NFL ready these, these players are. Um, but I do think that there's also a little bit of a landmine with Justin Jefferson, because I, and I, you know, I I don't have game logs in front of me, but I can't imagine that anyone, any of these rookie wide receivers other than Justin Jefferson was like, you could at all predict their startable weeks. Like I, I think that's still uh, just a, a a universal truth with rookie wide receivers. And the problem is, people are, especially Jamar Chase, coming from the same school with a you know very similar profile to Justin Jefferson. There's going to be a lot of people expecting Jamar Chase to come in and immediately lock down a starting spot in their dynasty in their dynasty lineups. And I just, I I, I still think that it's it's
5: yeah, it, it's, it's it's so hard I was, not to
2: pencil those guys in, but you really can't. Yeah.
0: Uh, about this today too and that that listen outside of Najee harris and and travis and i'm not super into harris myself um but uh you know outside of those guys like you want to draft those wide receivers however like you just said we can't guarantee that they're going to come out and be starters in year one if you're a team that is has any design for competing in 2021 right and just the depth of position in general like i was talking about earlier 18 good running backs you know uh so I think I think it might happen. I don't think it's the right, necessarily the right move to push guys like Kenneth Gainwell and uh you know, whoever you have next, Chuba Howard or whoever, whoever it is next. I don't think it's necessarily the right move, Jamonte Williams even, you know, if we're gonna push him up above those wide receivers. I don't know if it's necessarily the right move, but it is certainly, you know, at least tempting because it's so much easier to build a startable wide receiver core, you know, three three, four wide receivers that you can pick off you know, week. for Jarvis Landry is freaking wide receiver 46, you guys. Yeah, he, he, he's he's still pretty good. I don't know if you guys watched him after he recovered from the hip injury. And if you go try to trade for Jarvis Landry right now, I don't think you're going to have to spend more than a late second or third round pick on him. Uh, and that's not the case for any of those top 18 running backs. So, I just think... Again, I I have no idea if it's the right answer or not, but it it just makes me even more push those those rookie running backs up. Uh, at least the ones that we know can be, you know, the the lead back and at least at the very least a lead back in a committee, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's the cheapest to you know we we talk about quarterbacks in the startup. That's the cheapest time to get a quarterback. Well, the cheapest time to get a rook a, a running back is in the rookie draft. Like if yeah. if. Yep, You know, if you don't get them there and it honestly, it doesn't even matter what name it is. Just grab as many of them as you can, because, you know, if you end up with James Robinson, you know, that was, that was your last chance to get him at a reasonable price at all. You know, from then on it's, it's, you know, not to mention those top guys, you know, Taylor and, and acres and Swift, man, those guys are, it, you know you you had an opportunity to get them for essentially free like all you did is suck for a year and you got that guy now you have to trade i mean half your starting line it's two first
0: easily him. if not if not more than that
5: yeah i mean they're they're untradable i mean no one's giving them up right i mean it's very very hard to get them from someone for yeah. sure
0: yeah yeah that's so like we're, we're kind of we're kind of transitioning a little bit, but that that brings me to like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a little bit. I mean, we've given up on him. He was like the 105 in startups, you know, after he was drafted basically, and now he's going <laughs> at and in the early third and so. I just did. A, I'm doing a mock right now with four for four, and I got him at 305. Like, I understand, but he's still, but he's still attached to Patrick Moe, He's still attached to Kansas City. He's still a young running back in a great offense, and he still has first round draft capital. So, uh, you know, he's he's falling behind those other guys, but he's maybe gettable now, which is interesting compared to where we have him had him in you know August September. Well, the truth
1: is also somewhere in between where his startup value was before the season and where it is yeah, now. Absolutely, like a, to me, absolutely. like I remember seeing him and going at one hundred and five and just being super dumbfounded about it. But yeah, I would jump on getting him in the third at this point because he wasn't all wasn't great. He wasn't what he we hoped he would be, but it's not like he was bad. So to me, getting a solid. Fifteen point running back every single week, which kind of which what he was for well most of the season, and it's not like Lev Bell is coming back. And man, stop being afraid of Damian Williams. I'm just going to say it. So, like, I-, I think grabbing a young guy like that that still has all the upside in the world in the third round is a steal.
5: Yeah, I mean, someone said lead back in a committee, and I mean that is the best you can do. I mean, it's very very yeah. hard to to get those guys that aren't that after they become the main workhorse guy. I mean, there's it's impossible except for, you know, a startup or you can't it's so hard to target those guys in rookie rookie drafts you don't know who they're going to be. I mean, it's very rare. I mean, we saw Jonathan Taylor and it's like, oh, Marlon Max there. Okay. You know, it's it, we don't know. It may take a year. It may take, you know, okay, oh, An Johnson's there, Red Danger. It's going to take a year. You know, and, and the, these things change because of injuries or whatever. Um, so it's really hard to get those guys early. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't close the book and and was Edward Edwards, Edwards Hilaire, it was still like in points per game, you know, cause he did miss time was well, still the, the fourth run, best rookie running back of that crazy group. And then that's, I mean, it's, it's, I think there's when someone, when the hype train gets going, you know, we expect him to be the number one running back or a top five running back. And when that doesn't happen, well then, you know, we're completely off the rails at that point and, and everything just flips to the other side. And that, that just tends to happen in like this, the, the kind of echo chamber that we have on Twitter and in mock drafts and what becomes consensus is what's kind of not real. You know, it gets, it's tough to kind of parcel that stuff out. I would,
2: I feel like, like I was, I was, I think I was among the lowest on CEH like post NFL draft in 2020. I, I like, he, for me, he was the worst of the, of that tier of running backs. And I feel like I just kind of planted my feet in one place. Everyone was like way higher on him at the time. And I just watched everyone just run right past me to the opposite extreme. And at, like, I didn't even move. And now I'm, you know, I feel like I'm higher than consensus on him. <laughs> but like, I saw a Twitter yeah. poll today uh, that was, it was uh, 2020's 104 for CEH. I'm wondering, like, what's the scenario for you guys where you're taking, where you're giving away. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, after you invested that year in him, you invested that first overall or, you know, in a super flex, probably, you know, third overall pick in your rookie draft Should've for DEH. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you you I, I invested that and n- now you're willing to, to, to bail for 104.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I think I, – no matter what, I'm still taking, if you, if Edward Tiller was in this class, even knowing what we know now, I'm still take probably taking him over all of the wide receivers, maybe not over TN, maybe not over Harris, but I'm taking over every single one of the wide receivers. Hmm. I
5: would probably, I mean, there's a pure, them. there's a pure like volume scoring chance stuff there that you're just never yeah. going to, you're not going to get with these other guys, especially on wide receivers. I mean, there's so few good wide receiver landing spots that aren't um, kind of, you know, it's going to be murky at least in the beginning. Um, and that happens every year, not just this year. Whereas, you know, Edward Selaire's RB11 right now in the latest, the January um, DLF ADP. Uh, I'm a company man, as, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's he's over, He's after Josh Jacobs. I mean, and I, I like Jacobs. You know, I think the PPR could be better, right? That's what everyone has a thing with him. But it's no question which offense I'd rather have a small piece of. You know, it, it's, it's, Absolutely. it's, I would tell for me, you know, even, even Nick Chubb. I mean, it's, 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 it's a little bit closer to Chubb, but not much because there's always going to be, these other guys there. And I think this, the, the crazy amount of scoring that his offense does and is going to do, it's not, nothing's changing, you know, gives him in what small window running backs are going to live in because they don't live very long. You know, he's going to be better by just by being Kansas City.
1: Yeah, there you go. Bringing it back. Making it a circle. That's podcast podcast hosting uh, beauty right there. Get good players on good offenses. That's what it's all about. There you go. Bringing it back. I like it. Sorry, man.
0: I was just saying, and if they ever decide to actually unlock his receiving ability, I mean, 54 targets, like, okay, that's cool. But we know he's still the best receiving back in the class. And, uh, you know, maybe you could argue Dobbins, but Dobbins is never going to get there because Mark Jackson is never going to throw him the ball. And maybe, maybe he's, maybe Clyde was like, is never going to get there either because Patrick Mahomes is so good. He doesn't need to dump it off to a running back. Right. But if they ever do unlock that, that part of his game, then, you know, we have, we, we, have a mid running back one, I think, you know, if he gets up to that, that 75 plus target range, uh, you know, we probably never get into Christian McCaffrey's level. Right. But, you know, I think he, and receiver, and if they wanted to use him that way, they could. And maybe with Watkins gone, Har- Carl Hardman does not work out. They they're looking for that third option after um, Tyreek and and Travis Kelsey. Then you know he could potentially be that. So I I, we, I think we're way too low on him right now as a as a community. That's all. It's also it it it's always amazing
2: to me like how um how how quickly your philosophy can change when you get embarrassed in the Super Bowl by a quarterback who's old enough to be your quarterback's dad. Like, there's there's yeah. going to be some uh, – there were times in that Super Bowl – I mean, you could argue that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the only thing that really worked for the Chiefs offense. Coming out of that second yeah. half? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Kelsey in the short-range passing game, great. But, you know, beyond that, like, it was, it was a running game, and unfortunately they were in a position where – they had to abandon the run because I, that was their only chance. And I think that you're going to see them go to that a lot quicker now um, to avoid, you know, the, 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 quicksand that they found themselves in. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it from a read. I mean, the read offense yeah, Because we saw them. Changed.
5: They watch, watch. Sorry, go ahead, Matt.
0: You go. Okay. Go I was going to say like ahead. the read offense hasn't
5: changed too much. You know, I mean, they, when you lose your two starting tackles and your all-pro guard has missed the season to be an awesome dude, you know, things things definitely change on you. And um, you know, there's been so many read running backs, even go, even, you know, time in Philly with Westbrook and stuff like that, who are using the passing game and you know, using different ways that it's just something we know is gonna happen. You know, I think that's important. Um, I was I was the one thing I just really wanted to say was like we need to get away from flag planting and never and in being inelastic on our positions on players because their situations are changing a week to week basis. I mean everything changes. Like you mentioned, John, the Super Bowl, the final game is could change is completely changed, could completely change Edward Hillary's value. You know, it's like people talk about this with Damian Williams last year, where it's like this guy who was not not much became like, oh, you gotta get Damian Williams or Darrell Williams, whichever D Williams it was, mm-hmm. because now he's gonna be using this offense and they went ahead and draft a guy in the first round. You know, these 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 things need to be change in your mind a lot quicker than I think a lot of um, rankers, people on Twitter, all these things than they do because you know these things do change quickly. And um, while I will say stick to your talent evaluations, you know it's it's sometimes hard to, uh, especially running back where just it you just they last so shortly, so such so a short amount of time. The Charlie is not worth. They last such a short amount of time <laughs> that it's you don't have time to be <laughs> stuck in the mud about how good he was in college you got to move quickly on this, on this guy sometimes.
1: Okay. Well, we've been going for about like an hour and 40 minutes and I'm probably a few minutes away from getting the text messages of like, all right, you've been down there for long enough. It's time for you to take the damn dog out before she you know, <laughs> starts messing up that, but the, messing up the house. So there's only four of us left. So why don't we go in a quick circle? And since this is the first time we are doing this and they should know who we are anyway, but I like it just to give you guys a little bit of a second just to appreciate yourselves and feel more comfortable speaking about yourselves in a positive light. So that's, that's what we are about as a family, right guys? I'm making stuff up because I have nothing left to say. I think you <laughs> should <Yeah>. talk
0: about. <laughs> us and Russ, I think you should, should make all of us feel good about ourselves right now and what we do. Okay. You're the boss. You're supposed to be lifting us up. You
1: know? Oh yeah. It's evaluation time guys.
0: Okay, so first
1: to my I hate that StreamYard mirrors things because technically he's on the right, but I have to point that way. So first there's John Hogue, the super super flex dude, which I will never not be stuck in my head. Thanks, Addison (laughs) Hayes. Uh, who while doesn't have a podcast on the DLF uh family of podcasts, he is part of the DLF family, so I'm allowed to talk to him about him. Otherwise, like I feel like I have to bleep them out or edit out all these other people's and shows that but John is the host of the Superflex Super Show, which is one of the first podcasts I ever actually listened to and one of the first podcast people I ever really talked to. John is authentic. He is awesome and has, like, one of the best voices in podcasting. So even if you don't listen to what he's actually saying, just just listen to him talk and you just – you feel awesome. And he gets so excited and, like, just hit, to match the level of energy he has to the intro of his show – that would all i'd be able to do like if if i had to like be podcast drunk. after be doing his intros i wouldn't be able to
2: Ah, man i'm horrible at accepting compliments though like so that's... is this
1: more or less awkward than you having said good stuff about yourself that's that's what i want to know after what matt just made me do
2: uh probably more but like um, I think that you did a better job than I could have done, and it really means a lot. Um, yeah. especially coming from you, one of my, one of my longtime friends in this community, um, one of just a handful of people that I've been able to meet in person. Um, oh, and Aaron, it was awesome
1: when I did because I didn't say hi. Like, I think I may have just like scared you the almost, crap out of John. I literally just yeah. ran up to him and hugged him.
2: Yeah, I was like in line to get a a ticket into the Hall of Fame, and yeah, <laughs> it was like an intense hug. It was it was it was cool, but yeah, it was a little jarring at first.
0: <laughs> that that is actually I didn't even bother to come see me when I came to New York. So
2: yeah, I just i i had
1: to do my i had to wash my hair that night.
2: Yeah, yeah, I had a chance to meet up with Matt too. He was working, but um, yeah, I, I yeah I too shy, that. man. Yeah. No, yeah, I just couldn't get it into this. Doesn't work out night. when you have two
0: guys that are kind kind of shy in real life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All
1: right, so I'm not doing that again. So, Matt, why don't you actually say something about yourself a little bit?
0: I, I guess I'm. Not- I'm like, I'm like John a little bit. I'm not, not great at this stuff either, but I, I am on the DLF Dynasty podcast. I'm kind of the third wheel on that, that show, honestly, with with the titans of Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. Uh, we just talked about you're third it. wheel on it's Game Night. So it's kind of a general show that's, during the
1: season. That's your, uh, that's your spot. That's fine. Listen,
0: I am the creator of Game Night. That's the one show where I have <laughs> a little bit of humorous, but I can, I can back up. Uh, <laughs>
2: also freaking master Game Night. Uh, but then. yeah, I
0: do Game Night too.
2: Game Night kind of isn't even fair I, anymore. Listen, like... Matt just has this. He's he's got like a, tr- a a player value calculator in his head, and like it's just it, it's it's just s- it's such an unfair. See advantage. what
1: people don't know the DLF trade analyzer. There there there's no algorithm <laughs> behind it. It's literally just Matt typing. Because, oh, someone's entering here. We go. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> it's like if I could have some useful information instead of all of all of that nonsense that i might have you know made made something more of myself i, I don't know but I, I don't know where it comes from i when i was a kid i played so many like role playing games and, and games that have stats like stat accumulation and uh you know like you're building characters and stuff so like the numbers part of thing it like they're just all like floating around there and for some reason i'm able to pull them out uh, i don't i don't know exactly why but it doesn't really happen with like movie quotes or uh, song lyrics or stuff like that it's just it's just a football thing for some reason man Is that enough that I talk enough? I don't want to talk anymore. All right.
1: Well, don't listen to Matt when he's talking about third wheeling stuff, unless when I said it, because then, you know, whenever I say it, of course it's true. Matt is awesome. And Matt is, I know he was dancing around (laughs) the subject, but Matt is actually one of the smartest dudes I know and great at this freaking game. So when you hear the man talk, you better damn well listen. And I miss, okay, I don't care that it's not, uh, part of the family. I miss Zuberflex, by the way. Um, and, well, Bobby was a DLF <laughs> guy, and you are a DLF guy, so I think I'm still allowed to talk about it. I'm not, you know, uh, <laughs> edit. It's um, out there somewhere. It's out there somewhere. Uh, so, again, Matt is awesome. Listen to him. Sticky Z. I just, sorry. I It's so different from what everyone else has on there. It's just <laughs> exciting to say. Uh, I was, why don't you talk I was about it?
5: Speaking of point, knowing pointless, useless football stuff, um, defense <laughs> defense <laughs> <laughs> i have to learn a whole other 22 or a whole other 11 starters on and backups on every team um so plenty of useless info there as well uh yeah i mean to play idp i know i know matt said never ever i
0: know there's uh yeah. couple people said i have i have you have, I have. okay I have. some people I played, some people played are just for like, oh, like 3 man. years and then i was and that was it yeah, I
5: will say it's it's definitely, if you're a dynasty, like, I have 20 leagues already, like, adding one IDP is kind of weird. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be, like, fired for saying that. But uh, <laughs> I get that. I get it where it's, like, I, I really, like, it's a it's a lot to add on. Um, but I will say to just everyone listening, like, at least give it a try. I think there's some cool stuff around IDP best ball where the offense is still regular lineups that makes it a lot easier because just, just the inherent – Nature of IDP can make it kind of lineups kind of painful, um, but yeah. So come check out our podcast where we can give you all the information. Um, Read and react, me and Tom Kesslingberry. Follow Tom if you want to get smart. Um, and uh, that's yeah. I'm at, I'm at Adam TZ if you want my one or two tweets a one or two tweets a month on actual IDP stuff or whatever.
1: <laughs> you might need to hook me up with one of those leagues. With I will the say best that I do not IDP. play. Uh,
0: I would say I have I to not play IDP anymore, but I still listen to the read and react show because it's awesome. So Shit. everyone should listen time. to it. You'll get smarter. Even if you can play it.
5: Yeah. Right. I mean, the stuff Tom brings out, you're just like, oh, okay, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. So much good math stuff. And just his take on things is just nice and nuanced. Um, it's good to have uh, that kind of view on things. It's nice.
0: I have a question. If it's okay, if we keep going a little bit, right? Uh,
1: uh, outros are never really just outros.
5: For IDP
0: people. <laughs> So, so, I don't know if it's still a thing, sticky. Uh, but when I was playing, I don't know, mid mid two thousands, I guess. Like, I, I I I hated it because I had to pay attention to things like which stat crew was doing. What like some stat crews give me a sack? Some other ones are going to give me a half a sack or no sack, that kind of thing. So like that was just an element that was not really that attractive to me. Like I wanted to play attention to the players. I, the player side of the thing wasn't really that big of a hurdle for me. But when it came to like paying attention to which teams are playing, which stat crews are in there, like it just became just became kind of too much after that. Yeah, I
5: get that. I mean, the the thing that I always kind of I always bring up is like a tackle is not an official stat. There is no official. Rules yes. that the stat people are given for a tackle. Like that's, that sounds insane, but they kind of are kind of just kind of like, yeah, figure it out. So, um, it's not as bad as it used to, but people barely ever talk about it anymore. So it's not really that, it really wasn't that impactful before. Um, I think with the other advancements in lineups and scoring and stuff, it's not really, it doesn't really matter. You just kind of want good players. Um, but it's definitely, an, you know, an expanding, uh, field of, of fantasy football is getting better every year and there's a lot of good, Stuff out there um, from multiple different sources um, to check out. Yeah, and, and Russ, I'll get you in one. It's it's I'm I'm uh, I'm lobbying MFL to make it a, a standard setup. Otherwise, I, I do some some magicery behind the scenes to uh, do the IDP best ball in the in the uh, offense lineup. Um, but it's it's a makes it it makes it like ten times better. Obviously, it's not the traditional. You know, I hate traditional. I I hate when people are like, "You need to start nine offense and night. No, 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 no. You, you know, it's like, anything. yeah, IDP just works better when there's more uh, more defense and offense blind starters. It just happens to work out that way because you're starting. There, eleven players are are useful on a snap versus you know three or four. You know, it, obviously the numbers have to match that. So yeah, that's what's the kind of stuff we talk about. If you want to get an IDP. Check it out. It's it's a really good time. It, it really makes you feel like you actually understand football. You're not just like, oh, you know, that guy kept the ball and he ran. You know, now it's like, oh, he got the ball. You know, there's it was. Is there a sack involved here? Are we getting some tackles? Like there's a lot more involved with actually learning how the actual game works, which I think it makes you just a better player on both sides of the ball.
1: All right. Well, you stole every nice thing I was about to say about between you and Matt. Like every nice <laughs> thing I was about to say is gone. But yes, absolutely. Listen to read and react. Even if you don't play IDP, you learn something. You are entertained. And don't forget, we play offensive players against these defenses. So that helps you out if you are smart enough to put one and one together to get at least two, maybe more. It depends on the math. I don't know. Peter's gone. I don't know numbers. It's just not what I do. <laughs> uh, but I am Ross Fisher at Dynasty Outhouse. Uh, co-host of Trade Addicts Pod and of Dynasty Game Night. And thank you for hopefully making it through this almost two-hour family gathering. This has been a ton of fun for me. I hope at least the guys that are still here can nod their heads that they had fun as well. I'm going to pretend that everyone that is gone is also nodding their heads for some reason. They don't know why, but it's because I asked them if they had a good time. So we are going to do this again eventually, hopefully sometime soon. And... How do you end family gatherings? I'm like, my family doesn't really get together. Well, I guess no one really got together this year, but like, uh, Irish exit. It, it,
0: it's one of two ways: either off. hug and leave, or, or you scream at everybody and then you leave. It's, it's those are usually the two outcomes, I think. <laughs> oh, shut up, mom! I'm going to my room.
1: All right. Well, bye, everybody. We will see you next time.